you to think with us for a few minutes from the subject, when the Lord blesses you. When the Lord blesses you. Try for a moment, if you would, to put yourselves in the position of this previously lame man. Try to see what his life must have been like from his perspective. The scripture tells us that he was lame from birth. He had never been able to walk. Medical science would have called his condition congenital. And as one might imagine, this man's physical condition had a ripple effect on other aspects of his life. Being lame from birth, it's likely that this man or his family was subject to judgment from the people of Jerusalem regarding his spirituality. All of us remember in John chapter 9 when Jesus and the disciples came upon a young man who was blind from birth. The first question that the disciples asked was, Master, whose fault is it that the man was born blind? Is it his fault or is it the fault of his parents? The question carried with it a presumption of guilt that was rooted in their punitive theology. Well, the same punitive presumption of guilt that persisted in the minds of those people were in the minds of the people of Jerusalem as they passed by this man. They probably reckoned that this man was in his condition because of some spiritual defect of his or of his parents. And it would not have dawned on them that this man was in this condition for a higher purpose. In response to the question from his disciples, Jesus said, it isn't because this man sinned and it's not because his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. My brothers and sisters, when we come upon that which is different from us, our first thought should not be whose fault is it. No, our first thoughts should be, how is God going to get praised through this? You see, God can use anyone. God can use any situation. God can use any circumstance to present his power and gather our attention. Whose fault is it is a question birthed from a punitive, negative mindset. 
But how is God going to be praised through this is a question filled with our wonder at how God works. For scripture tells us that he works in mysterious ways. It's not for us to figure God out. Our job is just to watch him work and then be expectant for his activity, even in the most difficult of situations. Then, not only was this man dealing with physical limitations, not only was he dealing with spiritual condemnation, but because of his condition, he was dealing with tough social and economic issues. The scripture says that every day someone would put him at the gate, which meant that he was dependent on the kindness of others in order to make it. And what was he doing at the gate? He was begging for people to show kindness to him as they were going into the temple for prayer. He made sure that he was positioned in such a way that the praying people had to see him. And, and he hoped that because they were already in a posture of prayer, his condition would prompt them to show compassion. That's an economic issue connected to a social issue. My brothers and sisters, it's never good to have to always depend on the kindness of people because people ain't always kind. The scripture doesn't say, but, but, but it's likely that in order for him to get someone to lay him at the gate, he had to share with them some of the profits he was getting while he was begging, which left him with less and made it harder and harder for him to make it from one day to the next. This man wasn't any different from anybody else. He had bills to pay. He had needs that had to be met. Just because he was crippled didn't mean that he didn't have to eat. Just because he couldn't walk didn't mean that he didn't need a roof over his head or clothes on his back. And it reminds us that a single issue is hardly ever a single issue. It would be good for us to remember that in America today. These protests that are taking place in cities and towns across the country are not just about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. These protests are about the thousands of black and brown victims of unwarranted brutality, bigotry, and abuse at the hands of law enforcement throughout the history of this nation. Crime isn't just about crime. Crime is often about poverty. Crime is about lack of employment. Crime is about lack of education. Friday, a lunatic used a truck to ram through a department store, this time in Hammond. That wasn't about violence and destruction. That was about mental illness. That was about emotional distress. That was about unresolved feelings of rage and helplessness. America needs to remember that single events are rarely about single issues. 
they are usually the culmination of a series of unresolved events that explode to the surface. And if you want to resolve these issues, you have to have a holistic approach to healing. Jesus was not just concerned about the soul. He was also concerned about the physical, the mental, the social, the emotional, and the economic. And if we are to be good disciples of Jesus, then we have to show the same concern that he showed. That's what happened here in front of the temple gate as it became prayer time. Peter and John were on their way to the temple, but as they passed by this man, the scripture says he asked for money. And this tells us something significant about this man. It tells us that he knew he needed something, but he didn't really know what he needed. He knew he needed help, but he thought that the help that he needed was limited to money. But what he didn't realize was that he was in the presence of the power of Jesus Christ. Church, you may think you know what you need, but I stopped by to tell you that you'll never have complete satisfaction until the power of Jesus is manifested in your life. If money could do it, some of you viewing me today would be satisfied because you've got more money now than you ever thought you would have. But money can't satisfy like Jesus can. If education could do it, some of you viewing me would be satisfied because you've got more letters behind your name than it takes to spell your name. But you're still not happy because education can't satisfy like Jesus can. There's nothing wrong with having those things, nothing wrong with having money, nothing wrong with having an education, but if you don't have the power of Jesus Christ in your life, you'll always have an empty place in your heart. This man needed something. He didn't really know what it was he needed, but, but he knew he needed something. But I'm glad that Peter, in the authority of the Holy Spirit, got this man's attention. Peter said to the man, look at us. Now, I ain't got a nickel. I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have will meet your need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Get up and walk. And the scripture says immediately the man was healed. He says that strength came into his feet and into his ankles and into his legs. And, and pretty soon the man began to praise God. He didn't just get healed, but he remembered to give God the glory. And my brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do. When you get your healing, you need to praise the Lord. That's, that, that, that's the subject of, of this message today. When the Lord blesses you, what do you do when he blesses you? First, he gave God glory because he was able to recognize a blessing as a blessing. Now, that might sound simple to some of you viewing me, but you'd be surprised at how many folk can't recognize a blessing when they have one. 
no matter how bad things may be. Once we get used to things being bad, once we become comfortable with things being bad, once we come to accept things being bad as our way of life, somebody will come along and tell us about doing better and we'll pass up the opportunity because we don't realize it's a blessing. You know, years ago when I was in seminary in New Orleans, across the street from the seminary was an ice house. And as I was in class, I could look out of the window across the street and I could see the fellas hanging out at the ice house. Every day, all day, they would gather in their little circle and they would solve all the problems in the world in front of the ice house. Mind you, they didn't work at the ice house. They just hung out at the ice house. If you ever heard them talk, they could tell you what was wrong with everything and everybody. They could tell you what was wrong with the president. They could tell you what was wrong with the governor, with the mayor. They could tell you what was wrong with everything. They could tell you what was wrong with the saints and why the saints couldn't win a championship. They, they didn't mean no harm, and from what I could tell, they weren't bad fellas, but all they ever wanted to do was hang out at the ice house. They may have had family. But they were missing in action because they were always at the ice house. I know they needed jobs, but they couldn't get a job because they were hanging out at the ice house. I started in seminary in 1983. They were at the ice house. I graduated from seminary in 1986, and when I graduated, they were still at the ice house. When I pastored in New Orleans for six years, if I drove along that way, I could look out my car and see them standing at the ice house. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you there are a lot of people today who have become too comfortable at the ice house of their lives. God sends blessings and God sends opportunities for them to leave the ice house. But folk miss it because they don't see the blessing as the blessing. They'd rather just hang out at the ice house and complain than get up and do something about their situation. We need to give this man in the text credit because he knew that his blessing was a blessing. And then, not only did he know what a blessing was, but he knew where the blessing came from. God puts blessings in people's lives, and, and they don't realize that they're blessings because they think God only knows how to bless in one way. My brothers and sisters, God has many ways to bless his people, and if we would quit trying to judge God by our standard and learn how to live by his standard, we get more out of life. You know, that was Habakkuk's problem. Habakkuk was a holy man, and, and Habakkuk really wanted to do the right thing. Habakkuk was genuinely displeased about the sin that was going on amongst God's people, and he went to God, and he said to God, God, you ought to do something about that. And God said, Habakkuk, I agree with you. In fact, I am doing something about it right now. I'm going to use Babylon to invade Judah and teach my people a lesson. And Habakkuk was shocked 
Habakkuk registered a protest. There was no way that he thought a good God ought to use those people for anything. But what Habakkuk didn't know is that God is sovereign. God can use whoever he wants to use. God can do whatever he wants to do. Habakkuk wanted God's blessing, but he wanted it on his own terms. Am I talking to somebody out there today? This man may not have been as holy as Habakkuk. He, he no doubt didn't have the formal training that Habakkuk had, but he realized that Peter was bringing the blessing, and he didn't question it because he knew it was coming from the Lord. Peter said, in the name of Jesus, not the high priest, but in the name of Jesus, not the Sanhedrin council, but in the name of Jesus, not the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. This man didn't know Peter. He, he could no doubt figure who Peter was, but, but he heard the name that Peter called. And he knew that there was something about that name. And because he knew that there was something about the name of Jesus, he believed that his blessing had finally come. And when he heard the name and when he believed the name he stood up in the name of Jesus somebody listening to me ought to know something about that there's somebody in your life who told you don't forget about the name of Jesus as you go to school don't forget about Jesus, as, as, as you learn new things, as you try to strive to new heights, don't forget about the name Jesus. You, you, you're going to get degrees, but don't forget about Jesus. You're going to make a lot of money, but don't forget about Jesus. You're going to move out of this neighborhood and move into a better neighborhood, but don't forget about the name of Jesus because there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. This man knew that his blessing had come, and he decided to praise God. And that's the final thing I want to share with you. Not only did he recognize his blessing as a blessing, not only did he know where the blessing came from, but he knew what to do when he got the blessing. Bible says he began to, to jump. He began to leap. Never walked before, but, but he knew how to jump and he knew how to leap. He knew how to praise God. He knew how to say, thank you, Jesus. He knew how to say, thank you, Lord. He knew how to say, you brought me from a mighty long way. Oh, my brothers and sisters, when you get your blessing, do you know what to do with the blessing? Do you know how to say thank you? Do you know how to say praise God? Are you too ashamed to lift up your hands and say, you brought me from a mighty long way? Are you too sorry to say, you wiped the tears from my eyes? Are you too small to say, you made a way for me out of no way? What do you do when God blesses you? You say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been good, so good, better to me 
that even I've been to myself. Thank you for looking beyond my fault and meeting my need. What do you do when the Lord blesses you? First, recognize your blessing as a blessing. And then know where the blessing comes from. And then know how to say thank you for the blessing. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for a word that reminds us first that there's power in the name of Jesus and that that power brings blessing into our lives. And then thank you for teaching us what to do when the blessing comes, to recognize it, to give proper praise and thanksgiving for it. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for your loving kindness and for your tender mercy. And we would respond, dear God, by taking our lives such as they are and putting them back in your hands. We ask, dear God, that you would stand with us, stand by us, stand for us, where we have not the strength to stand for ourselves. Bless this simple word which has gone forth. May it be a help to those who have heard. Now, dear God, if there's someone viewing this worship experience who does not know you in the pardon of their sin or is out of fellowship with your church, we pray that something that has been said or done has touched their hearts and they would surrender their lives to you. We ask in humbly. Amen. Well, good morning, Shiloh. Oh, and this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord with me, everybody. Oh, this first song. It says that God is exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. Oh, and today we need a God that is able. Amen. Amen. So I want you to join in with me as you learn the song.
sing it one more time. Oh, God is able to do. Say, oh. 